friend crush. I'm your host, Amber Killer. This is my podcast where I talk about stuff and things, cute, chaotic, and critical thinking. I'm a DJ and a creative consultant. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok at Amber Killer, on SoundCloud and Spotify at Amber Killer for music mixes and playlists. The meme page for this podcast is at friend.crush on Instagram. Thank you for sending me questions, comments, feedback. I am so grateful. I'm literally getting paid in compliments, so I appreciate it a lot. It motivates me to keep scheduling and recording, and I hope everyone's doing well. Today's episode features a very special guest, Derek G. He is a creative director, music manager, multidisciplinary, multifaceted creative. He's worked at Mixcloud. He was a radio host on NTS. He's worked for 88 Rising. And he also has been married for 10 years to his wife. And they're just about to have a baby, probably had a baby by the time this episode comes out. So I'm really excited to talk to him about creativity advice for creatives and artists, his experience, what it's like for him being on TikTok now because he recently started posting on TikTok and also any insights he has on his relationship and relationships in general because I think it's really nice to speak to people that are like actually in healthy relationships, not just people that are learning from being burned. You know what I mean? (laughs) So yeah, I hope you enjoy this episode and let's get into it what's up hi derek welcome to friend crush thank you for being a guest my pleasure thank you for asking me and and turning it around so quickly yeah isn't that wild great timing and derek and i are internet friends truly we haven't met in person yet no so we share um industry we have shared industry trauma and friends so that's how we've connected Mm. and I think, yeah, I'm excited to see your perspective on your experience in the creative industry. I think that's something that a lot of people are curious to know more about. And then also, congratulations, you are about to have a baby, about to be a father. (laughs) Due date's tomorrow. Which is so exciting. So, actually, so I've been trying to sign off from work for a while, but then he hasn't come yet. So I'm still working. (laughs) So confirmed that it's a boy. Yeah. Oh my God, it's so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think also getting your perspective as like a mature adult (laughs) in a healthy relationship, doing adult things is also something that would interest people as well. Because I feel like a lot of the times people that are in their like early and mid twenties are giving each other dating advice Mm. and sometimes or dating perspectives. And I feel like that creates this myopic echo chamber of nonsense. (laughs) And for me, I'm always looking to people that have experienced more than me, right. being alive longer and have more insight and wisdom. So, <laughs> uh, Yes, I will, I will share as much uh, or as little knowledge as I have. Let's get into it. Let's start with just an intro mm. from you about who you are, where you're from, education, work, life, etc. Tell us. All right. The, the bio, the spiel. Mm-hmm. Um, my name is Derek G. I'll, I'll, I'll end with my work career things i grew up in sydney i am of chinese origin um although i thought i was indonesian up until i was 
um, in high school because my dad was born in Indonesia and we went to visit my grandparents there. So I thought that I was half Indonesian and no one broke it to me <laughs> that I'm ethnically Chinese. Um, oh yeah, that's very common actually. Yeah. Like the, it, the Chinese migration diaspora then like rooting in another country yes. and then raising generations. Yeah. Definitely. And eating Indonesian food cooked by my dad and all that sort of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And... I, in terms of my journey, started, um, I studied at university um, visual communications. I say graphic design because like you can choose your paths and whatever and majored in motion graphics. And so it was always in the visual um, world in some sense. Uh, and then got my first job in television. I'm kind of going to the biography. Maybe I should save that. But my, my, what I do now I'll, I'll, now I'll skip to the end. What I'll do, what I do now is I am a creative director, a radio host, a music manager or artist manager, and is that it? Sometimes graphic designer. That's that's what I do every day, which is kind of confusing, and it sounds very like multi hyphenate shit, but it's just like I kind of just tackle the creative problems in front of me, and sometimes it's it's multifaceted <laughs> yeah did you want me to talk a little bit about that the kind of that history or did you want to ask yeah do you feel like you were always drawn to music and creativity when you were younger was it always something that you wanted to work in or do you feel like there was something that you felt that you should do or had to do and instead you ended up here like how would you describe the journey to where you are now both both. Yeah. I don't think that I was a visual person growing up and I don't think I am still. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to be in music, played in bands, but didn't really know my place in it. I never became an artist. I had all the production gear and tried to write music and gave up really quickly and didn't really realize that you have to kind of grind it out. And, and it's just like any other job. You've got to get better at it. Mm-hmm. And simultaneously, my sister, my older sister, did the same course as me at university and she was doing that and she, I, I kind of thought that looks like fun and I can do that and I also was a bit scared about the, like a music industry private college routes after school because I didn't know what that looked like and I didn't know what I wanted to be I wanted to but my mum knew what I wanted to be which is like a music producer mm-hmm. um, but I kind of shied away from that so I just chose what my sister did mm-hmm. I think I'm good at answering briefs and solving problems more than I am being a creative. And so I could like at university, I did well. And then um, when I went into the TV production was kind of like, I just came up with ideas and I kind of offered myself forward for different things. And I managed to um, develop my ideating skills and stuff. But then I circled back because then I started my own radio show at home on my own for Mm. no one on mixed cloud and built a little fan base mm-hmm. and following and then reached out to some people and then ended up um, hosting a show on NTS for years um, and then mm-hmm. picked myself up and moved to London because I wanted to work in music and mm. and kind of made the leap that way. So it's kind of, um, it all came around because it was always in my heart, but I had to start with a hot, like a side project to, to connect the dots. Yeah. So you were working in TV while doing the radio show. And then yeah. from the radio show, 
you decided to move to London and then you worked yeah. for Mixcloud in London. Indeed, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it was like Mixcloud music streaming platform worked in the brand brand partnerships team. So like working with Dr. Martin's Adidas, doing shows with like Peggy Goo, with Idols, with Bacar, things like that. Um, working in music, quote unquote, it kind of was adjacent to because it's like brand partnerships, but you're still, you have a music and a cultural cred lens to it. But that was the first time where I'm like, where I could felt comfortable being like, I felt like myself. Like I felt like I was around people that understood, listened to the same music as me. And, and I didn't dress like them. And I only kind of started to feel more comfortable with fashion in a sense when I was there because I didn't really know how to express it because I felt, and this isn't a problem with Australia. It was a problem with me, but I felt alone in, in this country feeling like I was the only one doing this type of thing or interested in this type of music. And it was really my shyness and my lack of going out and networking. And I kind of needed to leave the country to get a bit of bravery. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how I felt as well. Like it's not that there weren't people out there that necessarily liked the same things as me, but I mean, Perth is even smaller than Sydney. So it was like kind of hard just in terms of being a woman and a woman of color before like, pre-2016, 2015, when, like, diversity became, like, a selling point, I think. And, yeah, I think there is definitely something to be said about changing your environment and feeling like you kind of get access to, like, a different part of yourself as a result of that shift. It's like that part is always there, but sometimes an environment shift or, you know, changing the people that you're around is what allows you to activate that part of yourself. So... I totally yeah. know what you mean. And then combining yeah. the two, you know, because like when you come home to visit friends or whether you return to like mm. for good, you people might not know you as that. Like I did, like it sounds dumb, but I didn't have long hair. I didn't have, mm. I didn't wear jewelry because I was like, I t- felt too scared to try that. Mm-hmm. And and just going somewhere where no one knew me, I was able to explore that. And, and then coming back, it's like, hey, this is, I'm I'm the same person, but I'm a different person. And that's cool. Um, and allowing that, like being okay with that, I think is um, its own personal hurdle to overcome because you can want to change to be back there because people are like, oh, look at you all fancy. Look at you mm-hmm. all this and that. And it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know what I am, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or like it's a constant evolution anyway. But I do mm-hmm. feel like sometimes Australia, because it's like isolated and it, culturally it is very laid back as well, it can be difficult to like if you are kind of evolving and shifting at a faster pace than how things around you move it can feel kind of like this tug of war like do I stay the way that I am that's familiar do I progress further and then become seem or feel alienated from what's around me so I do think that sometimes being in like a a different environment or a bigger city can help with that definitely people people feel like they know you better than like well they tell you who you are you know, mm. Um, mm. and I think it's owning up to the fact that you don't even know who you are. And yeah, that's and they and don't then, know either. That's why they are like right? looking to you to help define where they're at. I think that happens a lot too. You know, like when people are unsure of embracing themselves, only someone in that mindset would look to someone who's changing and feel threatened by that or be confused by it. That's kind of what Indeed. I learned and observed from people around me. And it's not yeah. like 
that makes them a good or a bad person. It's just like a mindset that you can become aware of and decide whether you want to be in or like shift out of. You know, you obviously, you know, the people that you that have that bad energy, but then it's also sometimes you have to be brave enough to show the people that you think love you who you have become. And usually they're like sick. Yeah. Sometimes they're like, what's this about? And maybe yeah. that's where you, the relationship ends. Not not at that you know, just at that aesthetic level, but maybe if they mm. don't accept that you've maybe changed, mm. but you're still genuinely, your heart's the same, the same person, then, you know, friends aren't forever. They're for moments in time. Yeah. The girls that get it, get it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I say that to myself all the time. Yeah. So do you feel like you've ever struggled between like the corporate side and the creative side of working in music or working in the creative industry? Because I think even though you mentioned like you're working adjacent to music in terms of brand partnerships, I feel like these things are almost like they coexist together now, like branding and music or like the commodification or whatever of culture and art. I mean, I think that the relationship between the two has always existed but now in like digital age and everything and the way that information and media is like distributed everything is almost like packaged as advertising mm. not everything mm -hmm. but so much has to be like that's how people have to make money now yeah. to attach to a brand or to yeah. whatever i don't know I work, I can safely say I work in the industry now with like working with labels and artists directly. When I was in London, it definitely was adjacent to, but mm. I think I needed that as a transition almost because I think that, I don't think I had the chops for anyone to consider me to work in the music industry, working in TV. Like I applied for a bunch of jobs when I, you know, if you, if, if anyone knows anything about NTS, it meant something at the time to have a show, but that doesn't mean that you therefore are a good creative for music just because you have taste and you can be creative in an adjacent industry so i needed that kind of like transition where it was still like corporate in a sense because you have to work with brands you have clients you have deliverables but then you're also you know you're you're in these venues and you're working with these artists and you're trying to promote their work and champion their stuff um mm. but i've had this conversation with um someone recently about the crossover between creative and corporate or what you said, like advertising and branding and stuff. I think that it's crucial to have a sense. And this is, I do attribute this to my study. You have mm -hmm. to have a sense of the audience at all times. And I think branding um, and advertising is part of being strategic about how you communicate with an audience. And I, I jumped on a project recently um, to help out with the, strategy and uh, creative strategy and rollout and um you have and and no shade on the creative director that was working on it but they thought about the creative in isolation but then like music videos all that sort of stuff but then it's like well how are you going to tell this story over time and no one's thought about it and it's like that's that's part of the job too in my opinion like i am not the most auteur you know creative director that comes up with these incredible visuals i think about like okay this is the record and how are we expressing it and mm -hmm. like and yeah, how are, yeah so and important. how are people consuming it and how are people 
are we giving them too much information at any one time and how do we how we how do we add layers to it um so that is part of advertising i think it's like thinking about where you know how much brand awareness is there how much affinity do they have do they have to this and and then stepping it through that way so i think that i'm grateful for my journey that i can approach it from a left brain right brain point of view which is like the creative can be beautiful and no one can see it and that's a failure to most artists because they want to sell records and play gigs and shit and so it's got to engage people and it's got to tell the story and if you miss that and it's got very few views then you've kind of not done the full job (laughs) yeah i guess it's kind of like a spectrum between like the purest mentality towards art which is like art in a vacuum from the artists themselves and like oh if people see it they see it if they don't they don't and then the other end of the spectrum would be like creating just for consumption's Mm, sake or creating just for profit's sake and then you can shift among along this spectrum and ideally you're going to find a balance between the two things but i think I guess what I observe is like people thinking it has to be one or the other. Either you're making art just for art's sake and you have no narrative or idea of how it's going to be sold, how it's going to be consumed, or you're literally just jumping on a trend and creating because you know that you're going to make money Mm -hmm. off it without any real connection to like a story Mm -hmm. or to an artist's intention. Mm. But I feel like that's something that people can struggle with a lot because there's so much criticism about how art or content is monetized Mm. and like does that take away from the purity or the artist's intent and i don't think there's like a clear answer to that either but people want there to be yeah an answer like it's this or that it's good or bad but it's like so many different ways of of approaching there's so few of those like real 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 well define real but like artists like you know like dean blunt or arthur russell or something like that that just want to create and don't give a fuck if anyone ever listens to it like i think most people go into it wanting to play shows wanting to perform to people wanting to make a living out of something that they love doing or they have a passion to do and so i think when i speak to young artists especially it's like it's important to if that if it's their values as well or their vision to think about it as a business and build a team that can help you to realize your vision and and grow your business because i think a lot of people want to make music but they want to be able to not think about the next paycheck and yeah yeah of course sometimes that's like there is like you said that putting it out and hoping people you know see it but then there's pr there's there's you know there's a whole bunch of different things that need to happen for people to see it unless the very one in a million where you just put something on YouTube and see people find it, which is almost impossible. Almost. And I wouldn't like recommend that anybody bank on those sorts of chances, right? It's like, if you really don't give a fuck, you can try, but you can't guarantee success that way. And I think that art in and of itself is like a way for people to connect like not just connect different dots in their head through the process of creating Mm. but then also seeing how other people connect with that part of themselves as well and the idea that you're so purist and you don't need anyone to see it it's like almost goes against the purpose of creating in the first place sometimes i mean obviously you can create for create it 
for the sake of creating, but nobody who's doing that is complaining about how people aren't seeing what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. there's very <laughs> few. There's very few that I've come across. Yeah. Um, and, but there's, there are the enigmas. There's, a, there's an artist called L.L. Burns that I've been trying to work with for years and they don't care. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it would be hard to come across because the people who truly don't care aren't trying to find ways to be found. <laughs> yeah yeah if like in australia like a you know when you when you're a new artist you put something on triple j unearthed and like you wouldn't put it on there you would yeah you would do everything it would stay yeah yeah you put it on soundcloud on hard drive or yeah or just share it with <laughs> friends and make it for yourself but you know it's it's expression of performance it's 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 a you know it's meant for people to hear usually yeah actually like when i was at the apple store a few months ago I was like asking about how I could back up my music and then the guy that was talking to me, the genius bar, he was like saying how much time he spends on Ableton and making all this music, mm. but he actually has no intention of releasing it, whether it's because he's like afraid to or doesn't want to, but he said like, you know, he just shares it with his friends and they kind of give him validation that he's doing a good job wow. and like that's almost enough for him. He just loves, he was like telling me all these different things on Ableton. Wow. I was like, damn, if I could like make music that my friends thought was good, I'd putting it out there straight away well you know what it is as well <laughs> i agree but then at the same time i think as i've learned like a team is so important and if you share it with people and you believe it you believe in it and clearly you think it's something worth sharing because i've made stuff that no one's ever heard because it's awful and i haven't shared it with <laughs> but sharing it with people is like you're kind of proud of it and that kind of energy kind of builds and you will find someone that's like you know what put this out or you know what i'm going to send this to my friend or like it doesn't matter if it's on soundcloud or you're sharing it with people for feedback like or not not even feedback but you know in many ways the the group i'm managing now it's like i kind of it came to a point where i had to work with them <laughs> if that made sense it was like it was a uh, how can i express it it was like I didn't want to be a music manager, but it just had it had to happen because I had so many ideas and so much passion behind what was happening and became quite protective of the people trying to take advantage of them that it kind of like, I did it. And so you never know when things are being shared, just who comes out of the woodworks to, to want to help because they believe in it. Yeah, for sure. And even just like the process of putting something out and then kind of, feeling like you can then move on to the next thing is also part of the process of like getting better at things. Like that's something I always try to remind myself. It's like, sometimes it's better to do something, even if it's not to like the taste that you have in your head, but like having it start at a lower skill level so you can then build up to the next skill level. Very easy to get caught up in thinking it has to come out like, you know, polished and at the level of someone who's like Grammy nominated when you're literally just spent like a year or two learning something. So the journey is so important. Do you feel like in terms of music management, like have you really embraced the role now that you previously felt kind of like unsure of assuming? Uh, yeah, it's been amazing. I, yeah. um, I didn't know what it meant, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I was like... I, I thought with any artist I came across, maybe I could be their creative director, but no one can mm. afford that Like at, mm. when you're small. Mm. Like unless you've got major label budget, no one has a on retainer creative director. Mm -hmm. um, um, but 
I was just looped into their conversations in terms of they'd update me and ask me questions and kind of mentor, you know, them in a little bit. And then, mm-hmm. um, how did you meet uh, them or come across them? To uh, a mutual friend. Yeah. It was like, you should check this out. Um, and I, in case anyone's interested, I should mention they're called one, 300, um, mm-hmm. Korean rap group based in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in many ways, it's almost like running a label without running a label. You have to um, really, because that's my ambition and what mm-hmm. I will do one day. Um, mm-hmm. But it's really from the ground up. It's you gotta you gotta set the tone and the vision, and you gotta help um, run their business from a making sure that their music is celebrated as much as possible, and meeting the right people, and talking mm-hmm. to the right people, and. And, and vetting out the, the real ones from the fake ones and, mm-hmm. and, and not signing anything until you're sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's been crucial for me because it's an amalgamation of creative and business and music. And mm. I'm not an artist and I don't ever aim to be, but I want to propel the careers of people that I believe in mm-hmm. and use my skills mm-hmm. um, to help do that. And so... I'm very happy to be one now. And I think it's for a lot of people, I think it's a great way to be helpful in music. If mm-hmm. you don't have, like, if you want to get involved and you believe in something, mm. it's like, you know, it's, it's a necessary, um, you know, part of their business that I think is, is you learn so much as well. Mm. Yeah. I think like when I was younger, it seemed like, to be interested in art or creativity or music, you had to pursue being like a public facing role. It's like, you just had to be an artist, but now, or like after my experience, and I think now just with more conversations around the industry, more transparency, you can see that your interest in art and music doesn't have to be from a creator perspective. It can be someone that helps to facilitate, somebody that helps to organize, strategize, like a lot of people, I think everybody, is creative but the expression of creativity comes in different ways and like some of the most inspiring people that I've met are people who work behind the scenes and have a creative vision that and skills that usually don't seem creative but facilitate an artist's journey or facilitate huge projects and events yeah so it's the, the I don't like the word creative or creativity generally Mm. i think it's it's overused and it's not accurate to anything really i just like i think for a long time i was like if i want to work in music i wanted to be the creative person within music Mm -hmm. and it's like once you let go of that you can do so much. I think yeah. it looks cool. Like to yeah. a lot of people, if, you, if you're in the creative industries, it looks cool to be the, oh yeah, I did the creative on this. And like <laughs> this artist is succeeding and it's because I had the eye and all the cool things that you see is me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's like, that shit's easy. Yeah. Like it's not, I know it sounds arrogant. It's not easy. I mean, like there are so many talented people that can do that you know, whether it's designers or illustrators or directors and like, you don't need to say you are creative to have an impact in the creative space. Um, And I think because I've been in it so long, I'm kind of numb to the idea of 
like creative and concepts i think i think people are and i'm not saying that people shouldn't be i just think it's like it's not to be held on to as the high watermark of yeah like pedestal in any yeah of of art and achievement i think mm. that everyone is creative yeah in different ways and what type yeah. of creative person are you like mm-hmm. you're a creative i'm a creative mm-hmm. your skill set would be totally different to mine it would meet some places and it would you know mm-hmm. and when i meet people i say like i'm a creative director but i'm you know i folk i care a lot about strategy i care a lot about audience i care a lot about you know um the business as well mm. and and let's find some other great creators to do other parts of it as well yeah. you know yeah exactly like the word itself to me is just like a marker it's just like an necessary part of like the job in a way but the Mm. way that I see or the way that I would like practice or work it's like yeah everybody has different creative perspectives and input that go into something there isn't one person who's held at the center of the concept or of the vision and I always like tell friends who maybe don't identify or label themselves as a creative who feel doubt towards their creative ability because they are creative and have creative expression creative ideas but they doubt themselves because they don't label themselves as such i'm like you are creative too Mm. your ideas have just as much value as somebody who does label themselves as creative like it's not something that i feel i want to do but i just do it because it's easy for me to then identify opportunities or for people to identify me but Mm. i think yeah, for the longest time, I was like, everybody around me is creative, even if they don't label themselves as it. And like the, f- it's just like the different skill sets that people have that work together like a jigsaw on a project. I think yeah. that makes working in this industry fun and exciting. And all- at the yeah. same time, there is this like atomization of everyone's roles, like, oh, because of this one person or that person. And you forget how much collaboration is part of mm creative Mm -hmm. work and creative teams and just work in general you know everyone wants to take credit or be at the forefront or the face of something but there's so much collaboration and connection that goes into any type of work totally and it's ego as well because i'm working on a project right now and there's two creative directors me and another um and but we have totally because we know each other we have totally different approaches to things Mm -hmm. and he is more of a storyteller he kind of in a pitch brings a kind of magic and a finesse to his language that that is quite magnetic uh not to say i don't but i'm not that's not what i would call my like what i hang my hat on yeah from in the project for me i'm okay i'm I'm good at coming up with ideas i'm good at coming up with the things that really people go that's it that's the one so for this project i came up with the main you know solution he's the one that gave it the language that brought what i was communicating to life you can come up with the bones and he can add like the flesh (laughs) yeah yeah, exactly and so it's it's cool to be like hey do your magic to it i've Mm. like you like what i i you know we have this long call and i'm like how about this and i was like great and i'm like okay cool well i'll just do a bare bones and then you you make it Mm -hmm. sound exciting Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know so it's it's not being like oh well i thought i was the creative yeah. director i thought yeah. i you know it's just yeah. like okay we can both do this together it's it's you know we both have different approaches to the same job title you know? mm. 
Yeah, that's definitely something that I've appreciated from being younger and feeling like I was working by myself. Like, because I started as a DJ, it's like you've got to figure out how to liaise with promoters. You've got to book everything yourself. You've got to do all your own invoices. You have to also market yourself if you're literally like a local DJ. And then just like seeing the public, like the narrative around artists and it seems like it's just them you know you don't kind of see the team behind them but then from working in the industry and experiencing collaboration and like being able to connect with people who have a different skill set but can work together on one vision I think is really valuable for like young people who want to get into the industry to think about because it's easy to maybe get into an echo chamber of like or I'm a DJ, so all my friends are DJs, I'm a photographer, all my friends are photographers, but it's so much more powerful if it's like a DJ and a photographer working together, being able to share ideas, being able to collaborate, the DJ plays the music, the photographer takes the pictures, you are able to then like build on something rather than compete with each other. I think when that's something that like I would tell young creatives to consider, like don't feel like you have to be in competition with people that do the same thing as you you can collaborate with other people with different skill sets and then build something entirely new together it's really good advice because you when you are inexperienced inexperienced you you kind of want to protect it all for yourself Mm. you know and that's the worst thing you can do to be honest yeah like gatekeeping like a seed Yeah, yeah. yeah. You and, haven't even got just, a garden yet. Why are you stressing? You know, plant the exactly. seed, grow the seed. You, like, I felt like, you know, when I said when I left Sydney, I was like, I felt like, you know, like people didn't understand my mm. my tastes and my things. It's just like, I should have gone, been going out there and, and, and sharing that with people and, and trying to find people and just supporting others. I mm. think supporting others would have gotten me my foot in the door in, in Sydney. Mm but I didn't want to because I was like, well, I am clearly, you know, <laughs> doing something that they don't know that's even more special. And it's just yeah. like dumb, you know? <laughs> yeah. So do you have any like other advice that you would give to your younger self or somebody that is starting out? What kind of things do you tell people? Because you're definitely more experienced further along. And you mentioned before that you had someone reach out to you about your experience yeah. and you hired them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what sort of creative any yeah well you can be if you have any specific like according to things that you've done so far or like general advice okay two things um, don't be shy to reach out to people that you're a fan of and show that you're passionate and don't overthink it and you will be surprised what comes of it but also don't be precious enough because you will not hear back from most of them mm, yeah <laughs> I like, did that a lot don't take it personally but like still put yourself out there yeah i did that a lot a lot of my opportunities have come from cold emails from people i don't know and and i i've done some yeah there's been loads of that have not replied but then Mm -hmm. the ones that really happen i just go fuck it Mm -hmm. they're not going to know about about me any other way so Mm -hmm. i'll just say hello and Mm -hmm. i say hello and i say hey and I, I, I almost send these emails in less than five minutes. Mm. I'm just like, but this is coming from the heart. <laughs> yeah. and, and then they, I wake up in the morning and they're like, yeah, cool. Let's do something. And it's like, what? Sick. <laughs> um, so I, I, I do that a lot. When, mm. when, but it's like when the feeling strikes, I don't have a spreadsheet. Mm. 
Mm. Um, so yeah, like my, my, um, my NTS thing was that it was like mm-hmm. just cold and like, who cares about NTS these days? But like for back in, I mean, like I tell people like artists as I manage or whatever, and, and they're like, what's that? And I'm like, oh, it used to be a thing and you don't even know about it. <laughs> um, which is cool. I like that. Um, mm. but I just send them an email. Mm-hmm. I listen to you all the time. Mm-hmm. I host my own radio show. Mm-hmm. I like this show, that show, that show. Mm-hmm. I play this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Would love to be considered. And I wake mm-hmm. up in the morning. And they're like, "Cool, when can you start?" And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> and I was, I wasn't a DJ. I wasn't anything like that, you yeah. know. And it helped me move to London. Um, yeah. So do that. Um, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, you had proof of concept as well. I think that's important. Like it wasn't just like you were yeah, emailing true. for the sake of emailing, but you also were like, true. "This is evidence true. of my work." And I can see how it aligns with what you're doing and then where we could maybe fit in together. That's yeah, true. And and I do skip over that part. And people are like, oh, you're so lucky. But it's like, no, like I was doing it for years. <laughs> but also I wasn't planning to ever email them. It yeah. just, I never thought they would consider me. And then I saw I never did it. And then one day I said, fuck it. And I did it and I got it. But um, so there is also not just emailing someone because you think they're cool <laughs> like you gotta know what you what you have and what you have to offer and if you have nothing to offer say i don't have much to offer but i want to like i can help you do spreadsheets i can do anything you want but in that case it was like a, a radio show um so yeah, how often point. was a radio show on nts uh, monthly um and i did my own weekly show for it you know at some point it was like tens of that like tens of thousands of downloads you know but but like i was doing it illegally so it was like on apple Podcasts and stuff and then it got taken down after years but it was very yeah it was special but, but did you uh, have to be there to do it at first or you were doing it remotely no. and then you moved to i was London doing it from so sydney it. yeah oh, yeah. yeah yeah i was doing it from sydney i was think i was the only one at the time and um my other advice is to listen a lot and ask lots of questions mm-hmm. i think creatives get ahead of themselves and think that they're geniuses but they're not listening to you know creatives by and large because you're not artists Mm. have a client and they Mm. have they have they have a need and Mm -hmm. you need to serve that and not Mm. you need to add to it and grow it and elevate it i always say to people that ideas are concepts creative is the easy part because once you listen and ask lots of questions it's all in front of you like i think um a lot of creatives that I that might intern ask to intern with me and stuff, and I mm-hmm. ask them to help me out with something. They jump to the conclusion before they even know what the brief is, mm. and they're yeah. like, "Yeah, I got it. It's like you're a rapper, and here you go. It's all this. Here's the mood boards, and it's mm-hmm. like, but what what does the artist want to express? And and did you listen to any of what they said? And what makes them unique? And what's what's their vision? And so. I think it's really I think it's really important as a creative to really get the right brief. Yeah. Yeah, I think definitely like the creative ego and like the artist's ego, like sometimes the crea- creative has an artist's ego. And if you're servicing a client, you can't necessarily go in with an artist's ego because you have to yeah. work with the client to meet their needs. They have the money, they have the power, they have the final say. And I think that's something that I learned very quickly. It's like, I might have a really great idea that I think is going to work for this client, but I also have to assume that the client knows 
their audience, their market better than I do. They have all those insights. So even if they're going to butcher my idea until it is like a tiny little sliver of what I originally thought, sometimes that's just how it has to be because you, you're there to meet their needs kind of thing. And I guess like if you work as a creative in one sense but then also have the opportunity to work as an artist in another, that gives you more freedom to express yeah, the way that you want to, I think. That's kind of like how I've tried to balance it like even though I work in a corporate setting or with corporate clients as a creative I still try to have things that are like just pure for me to enjoy expression for the sake of expression like you know we will touch on it later but like your TikToks or your social media is is it is not like your full creative expression but it's a part of it it's something that you're doing for you that mm. you don't have any rules you mm. know you can just come up with something and, and put it out there and I think that that's why you found success on those platforms because you have an eye and an ear and you 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 know what works in these platforms um but yeah th- th- there's also different types of artists too like you said it's always a spectrum some artists i worked with genesis Owusu last year and it's like you don't need a creative director you just don't you you come up with all these great treatments and you've got a vision. Mm-hmm. You just need a project manager to, f- or like someone that can connect you with the right directors to execute. But you don't need someone like me. Like, and other people I've worked with have no visual sense, mm-hmm. any conceptual sense, and they're just like, "I've made this music." Mm-hmm. Full stop. But it, that's that's not there for so you go like, "Okay, well, it's mine now." Yeah. You still you 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 do have to, you know, draw blood out of the stone. You have to be like, "Well, what is where did it come from? What were you doing at the time?" Cuz yeah. I think you need an anchor. Otherwise, yeah, you need context. You, yeah, otherwise you'll just make something that they'll totally think it's like it's it'll be my taste, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And my taste is not their music, you mm-hmm. know. So there are spectrums and it's uh it's I think I don't know why I keep saying ego in this this conversation, but it is about that. It's like always coming at something fresh. Sometimes people want your full creative vision. Some people just want you to, you know, I've here's the idea. Mm-hmm. How, do you know anyone that can help? And and, and <laughs> being flexible with that, yeah, and yeah. not being like, oh my gosh, well, I need to rewrite your idea yeah. because I'm the creative. I yeah. have the experience. <laughs> and like Genesis, I can't remember. He's like 21, 22, and it's mm-hmm. like you've got it all figured out and like you have to be okay me being a lot older than him for going like that is a good idea that is not a shit idea because i've come up with more than you mm-hmm. <laughs> that's bullshit yeah based on your work with artists do you have advice for artists and is it like different to creatives uh in terms of what their their creative vision their, or just in general just in general like Ooh. don't my my favorite advice is don't sign anything mm-hmm. for a long time mm-hmm. um and find people that you trust yeah and um you are better off this sounds self-serving you're better off working with a manager that knows nothing Mm -hmm. than a manager that wants you to sign a contract before you've even sat down great point you know to have a dinner um, because they will fuck you up (laughs) yeah yeah Um, i think definitely the romanticization of like being plucked out of obscurity having like a major label or someone with a lot of power finding you and then changing your life overnight seems from what i observe and what i've seen and been offered like overrated because i think and obviously that works for some people but at the same time 
working in an industry, meeting different people, having friends that have an understanding of how things work, even like you said, if they're not experienced, that is going to be so much more valuable Mm. to a trajectory that's like sustainable, I think, because, yeah. Because they have your best interests at heart as an artist. Yeah. Number one. And finding a balance between like working with friends and like managing those kinds of relationships. Because I feel like for me, I have friends that work in the creative industry, but have different sets of skills. And I can ask them like, oh, I got offered this. Like, what do you think? And they're like, absolutely not. Don't do that. (laughs) Like, oh, I can tell straight away. Like from their experience working in production or whatever, they're like, no, this is how people will try to cut your budget or try to take a cut out of what you're doing. Like make sure you negotiate this, negotiate that. And that isn't something that I could like find someone, pay someone to do for me at like the level that I'm at. So that those kinds of relationships are so invaluable. And I can also tell them like, oh, if you're looking for this kind of creative, you should ask this person. Or if you're trying to create a project around this concept, then you should consider these things as well. Like that kind of behind the job exchange Mm. i think and relationships that people have um aren't talked about enough in terms of like how that plays into each other's success or journey yeah it's um it can be a beautiful world when you have really positive engaged loving people on your side it can be completely fucked up when people don't people don't tell you the truth and that happens a lot because i've done enough in business and in, in the different industries I can go into meetings and they will tell you that they've worked with the biggest artists in the world. They can tell you everything you like and they don't tell you the one thing that you should know, which is about like mm-hmm. how their st- Yeah, well, their budget or how their, their, how their structure works and they'll, yeah. th- they'll tell you that it's the best deal in the world and then you get a short form contract and it's without being a lawyer, you can read it and it's the most horrible thing ever. And it's, it's the, you, you have to look behind... And this is not for an artist to do, but someone to do, um, unless the artist is interested. There's like, there's an agenda behind most things, you know, and and people will tell you what sounds sexy and, and not tell you that, oh, yeah, this line means that we you can't do anything else with anyone for 10 years. Oh, yeah. Oh, and that as well. You, you know, we we have the right to do this with your stuff. And um, it's it's people, artists, as musicians, people want to get in early because there's such a low, you know, they're on the base, they're in the basement, you know, so they can pay you five bucks and you'll be like, mm-hmm. nice. <laughs> yeah, they're taking I'm, advantage of people's like passion and their inexperience yep, as well. Yep. And, yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah, keep keep to yourself. Keep independent until mm-hmm. you are ready. That's great advice. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you. So we mentioned social media. Mm. You've recently started on TikTok. <laughs> what are your initial thoughts? How long have you been on? Because I literally, your account was just pushed to me like two days ago. And I was like, Hilarious. oh my God, it's Derek. <laughs> I, I, and I, I love that because I knew you'd find me eventually because I know that you're on there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I started posting like a month and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been on TikTok for probably a year before that. How am I finding it? I think TikTok's amazing. I think it is. Mm. It is an incredible, very distracting, but an incredible uh, platform. platform that uh, is 
re-communicating the internet in short videos like mm-hmm. <laughs> people are t- t- telling retelling history on there they're teaching mm-hmm. you things mm-hmm. you get your news on there like it's it's quite bizarre it's it's uh, it's not what it started out being mm. yeah i was just thinking today like are there any trending dances i remember like two years ago when I was quarantining in Brisbane, it was like the savage dance, this dance that was like everyone was doing like to the point where it had filtered into like Instagram and other platforms. But I was just thinking like, Oh, I haven't really seen any dances that have gone to that level of virality. Yeah. It's, it's complicated so much and so quickly. And, um, yeah, like I said, it's kind of, a a re, presentation of the internet in its entirety so you see people just like you know the website who sampled like people are just doing that but that's their whole thing like that's like it's like you remember this person well that it comes from here and that's their whole channel and it's like that's who sampled you can look up you know tomoko around (laughs) or like the weekend and then it will be like oh look at this city pop song that has been around but now it's like you get it in five seconds without googling it oh that's so true yeah like each account can be its own full website website like its own service yeah i I had think i had thought about putting this as its own tiktok this thought but it's uh it's it's time it's like you know i've been posting for a little bit and like i learn about something read up about it and then make a video about it and share it Mm. and people were like oh wow this is amazing how do you know about this i'm like i just looked it up and i <laughs> told you about it like i didn't know yeah. about it before then yeah and i'm just yeah. re- regurgitating something i just learned and, exactly um so yeah, i get comments like that too like how are you so wise well it's like because i read and i think about my life non-stop <laughs> like exactly and then i read other things and then i synchronize information together and spit it out yeah yeah, like, exactly. That's what everyone, and people are like, I thought wow. that's what everyone was doing. Yeah. But people are just waiting to be told things now, I think, yeah. through that app as well. That's like the risk. But it's also knowing that you can, you have the ability to do that. Like mm. I, someone asked me, my sister asked me the other day, because, you know, the, the, my page is doing well. For, mm-hmm. And I just said, I think sharing stupid videos on my family's WhatsApp trained me to be fine mm. with, with video on TikTok. Because I'm just mm-hmm. like, I've always been comfortable talking at the camera Mm. and filming things you know but it's not Mm -hmm. because i was a content creator i just like i knew how to make a funny video to send to someone yeah and now (laughs) look at look at me now (laughs) yeah exactly so how would you describe like the content that you make for anyone that hasn't been on your page was there like an intention for what you were going to make is there like a direction that you're trying to go or you're just like vibing it out so i'll share the story even though you didn't ask Mm-hmm. Uh, because I work in the industries, the creative industries, mm-hmm. I worked with um, a bunch of TikTokers. I was looking at managing one in particular last year, and I just learned wow. a lot. Uh, and mm-hmm. I learned a lot. I, I'm I'm a nerd in that. I'm really interested in tech. I'm really interested in. Mm-hmm. I go to the Verge every day, which is you know the mm-hmm. tech site. I just like mm-hmm. reading up about things about not algorithms specifically how they work, but just how technology is mm. changing and evolving and how interaction changes from a human level. I really enjoy that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I learned a lot from this TikToker. I'm not a person that posts anything. I I mm-hmm. recently destroyed my Instagram and like broke it down into four different sub 
Instagrams to showcase <laughs> mm-hmm. different parts of my work. <laughs> mm-hmm. People are like, how do I message you? I'm like, I actually don't know. Uh, whoops. <laughs> um, <laughs> on this account, not the other three ones. Yeah, exactly. But on the other one, if it's about something. Yeah, exactly. Is <laughs> That I didn't think through. But I always thought that if I, I understood the back end of how TikTok works. And so I always thought mm-hmm. if I was to do something, I think I wouldn't be bad at it. Mm-hmm. And so, and I did know that it helps which I actually disagree with now, but I think at the time I thought it helps to just have a niche when you start, which is true in so much mm. as it gives you a path. I was just on TikTok and there was a video of someone saying, show me something that is special to one community, but means nothing to anyone else. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that, like I, I, don't, I wasn't thinking about being a creator. And I thought, oh, that, I bet mm-hmm. my speakers would work because I've got these speakers mm-hmm. the size of dishwashers in my, um, in my living space. Mm-hmm. And so I just filmed it and shared it and it got like 350,000 views. And I was like, nice, I'm, <laughs> let's keep going with this audio thing. So yeah. spoke a lot about them and then told the story of how I got them. And then people were like, well, tell me about those speakers in your office. And so I filmed them mm-hmm. and then it kind of mm-hmm. started from there. So it's like, unfortunately, it's like an, audio centric hi-fi centric channel i say unfortunately because it's like you have other interests yeah i didn't plan on it being that i just thought this will work and so that's what it is currently and i'm enjoying that and but i yeah i don't think you need to have a niche because i think if the content is good and if you have an audience in mind it will succeed well if you make it well so yeah yeah Yeah, now you have dudes emailing you for (laughs) home sound system consultation he shared pictures of his house (laughs) i deleted it and my wife was like don't do that reply to him and so i did and then he shared me more pictures and i'm like oh no (laughs) wow real passion they should be filming for tiktok too that's the thing that's it that's (laughs) it it's it's all there for no reason (laughs) what kind of things did you learn from the tiktoker that you were potentially going to work with well he was very attractive so i didn't learn that (laughs) that (laughs) helps being hot helps yeah is what you learned yeah yeah which is like that that was his skill (laughs) Okay. <laughs> uh, it's funny because it's like I learned a lot and it's hard to articulate. I think it was he was a pretty boy and so he had lots of girls loving his content and he made content that was like mm. POVs and shit. I don't do that, obviously. <laughs> yeah. But I'm interested like what you gleaned from that and if it in any way influenced the way that you create or you post, whether it's like conscious or subconscious, you know? I think I just learned about how it serves content and how um you know pretty quickly if it's gonna work or not and Mm -hmm. there's so much bullshit advice about like you know when i speak with artists on a call with artists and tiktok head office it's i shouldn't say this out loud Mm -hmm. but i will um i can cut it out no no no. um it's like post three times a day do this do that because you don't you don't you just have to know who your audience is and speak to them and provide content. And I'm only a month and a half in, let's be real here, but provide content that you, it feels unique to you. Yeah. And that you have like a natural affinity towards yeah. for whatever reason or however that's come about. Yeah. Yeah. So this magazine, Room, a room with sound, Casa Brutus. Mm-hmm. Um, it has Haruki Murakami's like an interview about his sound system and I was looking at it because I can't read Japanese and I was like I bet no one's talked about this and I bet that people would be mm-hmm. interested in it so I just got my Google Translate and I I put you know put the camera on it translated it pulled out my favorite things about it compiled it shot it 
and it did really well mm-hmm. and it's like mm-hmm. I, I knew that people were going to be interested in it and that is the mm-hmm. kind of internet thing i was talking about like repurposing things that already mm-hmm. exist online um so i f- i think i knew that i was delivering something unique to the audience and you you upload it and it's like nice within the first hour it had like seven thousand views it's like okay this one's gonna do well you know and you're like testing things as well as you would have you know you it depends what you're in it for yours is more community mine's more like trying to get people trying to hook people in immediately it's understanding that you can kind of take your something that you find interesting and mm-hmm. and flip it into something that people have never thought before because you've seen those tiktoks where pe- people share things that it's like i thought i was the only one that thought that Mm-hmm. you know yeah tapping in to the collective unconscious <laughs> yeah but then it's also like you you got to know how to shoot some things somewhat well mm-hmm. like that's well lit mm-hmm. and and stuff like that but i didn't anticipate that like a lot of the success that i've had so far is because people argue a lot and that helps and mm-hmm. i've tried yeah. to bait on videos and it did the opposite mm-hmm. but it still worked <laughs> So like my latest video, I thought people were going to hate it because I just took a video from YouTube that I, I watched recently and thought it was interesting. Mm. And oh, the Function 1 one? Yeah. Yeah, that's the one that came up on my feed. Right. And, I was, like, and my, my, my goal with that was I wanted like all my audience was US. I watched this video mm. and I thought this will do well and I think a UK audience will like this. And mm. it did, like a large percentage of it's UK. I thought that people were going to hate this guy because he was such an asshole. Like said it was such like you know with such confidence and such arrogance and so i thought mm-hmm. great people are gonna hate this but i think mm-hmm. i think it's interesting i think it's great i posted mm-hmm. it and everyone's like exactly this guy's a genius and i'm like oh and it's got like a thousand fifteen hundred comments i can't remember but it's yeah. like oh that's the opposite of what i was trying to do but it still worked so yeah. usually it works for different ways I've, in the murakami one people are arguing arguing about whether he's a misogynist or not and i'm like oh just thought his sound system was cool like I wasn't yeah, saying a separate issue to yeah, what music people are in there going to. like, what do you think the feminism started here? It started here. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> but it helps because it, it, the algorithm knows that people care about talking in this, in this comment section. So I learned a lot of things about just communicating that version of your personality or truth, I guess. Yeah. And the way that it can be received or like picked apart on that platform specifically like it's so different to instagram i don't it would be so difficult to achieve that level of exposure oh yeah on instagram that you do on tiktok when you like on your first video or like yeah just with like no audience you know i think that's something that's really unique exactly tiktok yeah my first video had three hundred thousand views and it was like i've never posted anything before and Mm. you post stuff on instagram and I, I tried YouTube shots and it doesn't work like that. So no one, the same video, no one watches it. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, that reminds me. Usually I post like the promo video for the podcast on YouTube. I just haven't done it because I just don't even check. Yeah. Well, it doesn't, <laughs> the algorithm doesn't exist like that. So it yeah. doesn't push it to people and doesn't learn what your content is and how to share it. So it's very unique. Well, I wish you the best on the rest of your TikTok journey. I'm excited to see how your niche might expand or pivot into different areas. I will. That's exciting. I definitely will refrain from creative industries, I think. <laughs> I, I, I think that can stay in its own lane. Next thing, let's, we can touch on relationships. How would you 
describe your maybe current relationship or like the journey to your current relationship and then we can maybe discuss like I don't know if you have advice for people or I think it's better for you to like describe how you feel and your perspective mm. and then people to like riff off yeah, fair. and like decide what they do or don't resonate with, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I've been married for 10 years as of yesterday. Um, wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, been together since for almost 15 years, mm-hmm. I want to say. Um, we met at university and we were friends before that. I remember at the intro to this podcast, you said like people that have more experience or whatever. I have a experience. Like mm-hmm. I haven't had another partner, mm-hmm. which is like, you know, its own mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's its own, you know, take take that experience with a grain of salt, you know. Yeah, I'm in love with my relationship with yeah. my wife, like as its own idea, experience. Mm-hmm. It's It's been a beautiful thing to experience and also witness it evolve uh, almost as an observer um and we have both changed tremendously but enjoyed that and encouraged Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. and i think that's what's made it healthy and strong and and open and and you know the funny thing is when friends ask me for advice it's like we have had horrible fights <laughs> horrible mm-hmm. but who doesn't but people are like what you do because you guys are like solid as a rock it just like mm-hmm. doesn't mean you don't <laughs> get fucking furious yeah. about shit but it's what yeah. happens after that and it's what we we both like to learn we both like to evolve we both like to change our minds mm-hmm. or admit that we're wrong not like to but we're very open to it mm-hmm. and so that's more important than just yeah. like being right or just like having it your way yeah in like the short term the fight is the worst thing but afterwards we go like oh yeah well i shouldn't have done that and we always usually come to that where it's not like oh yeah you were just wrong there it was like yeah and mm. we move forward with that in mind um mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's a funny thing for people to think about us that we're you know, no no couple is perfect and i think perfect couples you know can be quite gross it's like because it's like you know the you know the ones where it's like it just seems mm. perfect and it's like it's not like that it's yeah usually it's not but if it yeah if you're able to own up to the fact that you fuck up often but you mm. you're allowed to say hey i fucked up and I want to do better then maybe it's all right mm, yeah i guess it is like mm, i feel like sometimes people apply like a logical exception to relationships like our oh, life is fucked and all these things are hard but if you're in a relationship and it's a good relationship then it will defy all odds and it will be <laughs> easy and there will be no problems like that's what a healthy yeah. relationship is but it's more about like how you handle the challenges that come with life in your own life and then together with your partner that determine like the health of a relationship not the denial of anything bad that comes up and i guess for like my generational age group i think some people get caught up in creating an image of a perfect relationship or consuming mm. images of perfect relationships that aren't a mirror of reality by any means totally. like i feel like the more energy people put into sharing an image of their relationship the less likely it's like actually 
that way behind closed doors. I mean, just from what I observe, people I know in healthy relationships aren't posting up all the time. It's not <laughs> they don't share their partner, but it's not like their online identity. And for people who are chronically online yeah. now, which is so common for the younger generation as well, it's like they're just constantly comparing what they do or don't have to these images, whether they're yeah. conscious of it or not. And then it just becomes this like crazy Totally, totally. <laughs> and I think at the beginning it can be like that, like, you know, when, cause I got together again at, at uni, you know, there still was the, when do you check when your boyfriend and girlfriend type shit back then, you know? And like, oh, should you post more of your partner or not? Because if there's, if they're not, you know, if you have a grid and they're not on there, does that mean you're self-centered? But obviously mm-hmm. you grow out of that, mm-hmm. you, you know, the, the relationship grows and you, yeah. you realize it's not for anyone, but the two of you, um, but the, mm. Hmm. yeah, I guess like at the beginning stages that like anxiety around how to define the relationship can take over actually building a relationship. But then as you have experienced, when you move into the commitment, those things don't matter as much because it is between the two yeah, of you. It's uh. But you got to feel comfortable, you know, that, and that takes a long time. I think that, you know, we spoke about it on our anniversary day yesterday, just like how mm-hmm. it's been almost boiled down to its essence just before life is about to get complicated mm-hmm. again, like with the baby, which is great. Mm-hmm. Like, it's mm-hmm. like, we really get each other's, what we mean when we say something like before mm-hmm. we'd be like, oh, why are you talking about that guy? What are you trying to say? Not like mm-hmm. if when you're insecure, mm-hmm. you know, and this is not anything yeah. recent years ago mm-hmm. or like same for her. And it's now mm-hmm. it's just like, mm-hmm. you can say, oh, that, that person's pretty, that person's whatever. And it's just like, yeah, it's not like, mm-hmm. therefore what mm-hmm. for us? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> what was the reason? <laughs> I'm, I'm quite a romantic person. And at the beginning of our relationship, I did so much and she loved mm-hmm. it. And I love doing it too. And now it's like, we could literally just mm-hmm. on an anniversary say happy anniversary and get on with our days and it means just mm-hmm. as much you know and it's mm-hmm. whittling that down of like mm-hmm. the drama and the courting of it all and now it's just like we love each other you don't have to like do a song and dance to show me that like and that's not to say that romance should die yeah, i just yeah. think it's like understanding that there's the different phases yeah, and stages and there's more to life and we're we're in you know we're in a particular place or we've got other things on our mind so mm-hmm. you know that's we understand that how do you think i guess maybe like the different changes that people go through in life can present the most sort of resistance in relationships of any kind and i think it can be it takes practice to develop an awareness of the ways that you're changing you know because i think sometimes people get stuck in like this is how I am, this is how they are, and this is how it's got to stay. Mm. And like the oh, uncertainty that comes dangerous. with change. So how would you say that like you and your partner, either individually or together, have been able to kind of embrace that and support each other? Because I think that's one of the most important things in any type of relationship, even friendship as well. I think you need to understand that they don't and shouldn't know themselves fully for the entirety of their lives and the same goes for yourself. And I've only learned that over life, that... The most dangerous thing is someone saying, this is what you are like and this is how you are because then you will either try to do the opposite or you accept that. And it's like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, I've changed 
you know, at times, whether it's political views, I've changed, you know, uh, I used to be a lot more, a lot less, quote unquote, spiritual. I'm not that I'm entirely, but like, you know, I'm the typical straight guy. Ah, horoscopes are bullshit and this and that is bullshit. It's dumb. And, mm-hmm. you know, my wife opened me up to different things and I'm like totally open to all that mm-hmm. stuff now and enjoy it. Um, mm-hmm. and not be like, well, he's just, uh, he doesn't believe in that shit. He's just that kind of guy, you know, um, mm-hmm. has mm-hmm. allowed myself to explore those things. Um, I didn't, I didn't try to over prepare or think about this too much when we spoke yesterday. But one thing I did think about yesterday was being able to accept who I am because she loved me for who I was finding out I was becoming. <laughs> a bit of a puzzle mm-hmm. like a good example is like you know when you're a skinny guy like me especially in Australia you're very self-conscious and she always complimented how much she thought that was a beautiful thing and it took me years to appreciate that because I always wanted to be like buff because you know, of the portrayal of what masculinity is. Yeah, hyper-masculinity in Australia. Yeah. and to kind of just go, like, you know, not wanting to wear shorts at the beach when I was at uni because I was like, I people will make fun of my legs, you know. And to my, my wife think that my legs are great is a bit icky, but it's also really important. It was important for me to, like, embrace and not go, but go down a gym bro path, which I kind of wanted to be and i did go to the gym a lot and have like protein powder and shit trying to get big it was dumb mm-hmm. you know? trying so, to get hench yeah for real <laughs> and yeah. so that was there was also that encouragement of like she wasn't trying to change me she was just trying to show me who i was you know and that's a good thing um so and you know yeah we change our minds all the time and we we try to like we look at other people around us and whether it's older people, younger people, and people just decide who they are and decide on their trajectory. Mm. And it's Mm. like, we would like to feel like every year there's something different that we didn't think we'd like, or like we're Mm. doing something we didn't, you know, and and not just be like, okay, I just like this type of music, for example, and that's me. It's like, you never know. Um, And that's been fun. Yeah, definitely like opening yourself up to new experiences and perspectives opinions is so important to enjoy life experience life not just as an individual but also with anyone that you are in any kind of relationship with and i guess that's kind of like can be stifled i always go back to the way that social media has affected us but it's like underrated and overrated the impact that it's had on how people see themselves, I think. And this idea that you have to curate an image of who you are or acquire different things to create an identity. But as much of a role as like things play, it's also like experiences play, like you're moving through the world, not just your acquisition of like little trinkets, I think, or like your ability to pose and make your life look a certain way to people while feeling shit about yourself. I think that's like one of the biggest gaps that can be hard for like the younger generation to bridge. It's like Mm. spending all this energy on making your life look a certain way to other people, making your life look fun while not having fun yourself. And when you prioritize having fun yourself 
how it looks to other people matters less but then your experience of life becomes so much richer yeah i think it's we'd like to unpack why we do things and we talk a lot about that and and understanding the real motivation behind your actions Mm. um whether it's posting on social media all the time or pursuing a friendship that you kind of like to bitch about or whatever and Mm. really peeling back there's usually like eight layers there before you get to the root of it and it's usually you Mm -hmm. yeah it's usually (laughs) it's usually like and childhood trauma yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know in a sense it's like you're oh you're trying to do this because you're trying to Mm. show that you're not that Mm -hmm. and then uh, when you all break it all the way down you're like oh yeah i don't need any of that Mm. or oh yeah that person that i hate is actually my problem Mm. Because blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um, And life can be very simple when you just look at why you want to do things. And I think that's why I explored music and have had success in it. Because it's like I was in TV and I was really trying to pare back what what am I doing? Mm. Why am I? What am I? What do I actually love? Mm -hmm. And peeling it all the way back and then starting from scratch again. Yeah. And um it's fun. I, I, I like exploring those things. Yeah, for sure. Wow. I think that's a good place to end. <laughs> check out my podcast. Oh, check yeah. out my TikTok. No, no, no. I, I don't. <laughs> I'll put everything in the description. All the, all the links. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> don't check out any of it. You weren't meant to see my TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the show, Derek. Great to have you. So many valuable insights that you've provided about your life that people can take with them, marinate over, dissect, (laughs) judge. Thank you for having me. And thank you. My favorite things about certain podcasts is you, sometimes you listen to things that there's a, there's a skerrick of irrelevance to your life because you're thinking one of those things at the same moment and you go, oh yeah. And we've all had that multiple times. And I hope that one person Mm. might go, "Hmm, Mm -hmm. maybe all my ideas are terrible. No, um, yeah, it's it's nice. So thank you for, for allowing me to share. Thank, thank you. you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>